0: I'm Zinnia and I'm Maya and we've been friends for a long time but our friendship was brought even closer since both of us experienced unimaginable tragedies with the loss of our babies. Maya whose son Leo died at just 10 days old and my daughter Isabel who was still born at 33 weeks. Since then our lives have taken us on very different and unexpected paths
1: not only having to navigate grief but also some of the more unconventional ways of having a baby. This is Making It To Motherhood, a podcast where we talk about grief, life after loss, journeys to motherhood, and all the ups and downs along the way.
0: So this week, we're talking about life after loss, how you pick up the pieces across all areas of your life and just keep on going. Welcome back to another episode of Making It To Motherhood. We're now on episode four, are we, in Yeah, episode four. Well well done us for making it here.
1: (laughs) I mean, we've made it. It's taken... It's a lot more into this podcasting malarkey than I ever had it down for, isn't it? But um, we've made it this far.
0: We're doing well. Yeah, I think that. And we're trying to navigate time zones as well. So we're we're adding in an extra layer of difficulty here. Yeah.
1: Anyway, this week, we were going to discuss life in the weeks and months following... um, Baby loss, or I guess after after the funeral is done, as we discussed in our last episode. So, what mat leave is like without a baby to look after? Because we've spoken about this quite a lot, haven't we? Getting back to in inverted commas a normal life is pretty complicated, and I think there's so there's so much kind of entwined in that in that period in terms of grief but also with you know what you do to, in terms of celebrating your baby how you recover um, both physically and mentally and yeah so many things in that in that immediate period after having a baby and then sadly losing them
0: yeah I think that is that is it and exactly what you said about it's sort of navigating this path to what the new normal is and managing your emotions and relationships and all of that it's, it, it's just so much but at the time you are just going through it and you're going through the motions and I think it's really now when we look back on it that I'm like god how how did we get through it
1: right someone asked me that the other day actually they were like oh my god you know like how how did you cope and I'm like I don't know I really don't know and I even remember at the time people saying, oh, you're doing so well. And I was like, sure, like if you say so, I don't know. And I, I think I was doing all right, but it's
0: just a crazy time. So what happened after Isabel died? So, I mean, obviously we have the time in the hospital that we've spoken about and the, the C-section, et cetera, and everything that goes along with that. But I think probably the worst thing, I don't know what the worst thing is, but what felt like a really bad thing at the time. On the scale of one to really, really shit. <laughs> it was definitely around the really shit part of things was going home, leaving hospital without your baby. I mean, that is just, it's just awful. It's just wrong. It It, it is. It has completely, because you, you just go in with your baby and you expect to come out with your baby because that's what you yeah. know most of the time happens. So I think that is just such a hard time. And I just remember Braden driving the car because I just had a c-section so couldn't drive or anything. and I was just sort of watching the world go by so mindlessly, you know and just thinking like, what's happened? How am I here? How has this happened? yeah and how long after she died was that was it the same day no because she died in the morning I had the c-section in the evening and then I say the c-section the uterine rupture repair or whatever they like to officially refer to it as and then I think we must have had that night in hospital after the operation and one more night I think right not long no, no. I mean, they, they basically say when you can stand up and go to the loo and what have you. And I think, I think we spent two nights in that room. Maybe it was just one. I can't actually remember, but it was, yeah, it was pretty quick. And then, so for us, we didn't even go back home because our house, further kick in the teeth, was being renovated because we were adding a loft extension to make room for the new baby. So, We then were going to, we were staying at another house whilst our house was being renovated. And because Isabel was born or stillborn um, seven weeks early, we weren't ready to move back into that house. So we were really kind of quite, quite displaced, I suppose. And, you know, the, and in one way it was good because we weren't going back into a nursery that we'd set up for the baby mm-hmm. but on the other hand we did have then when we eventually did move back in again which was a few months later because everything got delayed because of covid joy you know suddenly it was like oh here's the, here's the baby room that is now not for the baby and here's all of the stuff the baby stuff that's been bought out of storage and it was kind of like a second round of wave yeah of yeah of grieving all over again and also sort of further kick in the teeth is that our house we've we've since moved but if you look out of our bedroom window it looks directly onto the hospital oh for crying out loud and also to put it into the context of that you know, the hospital had admitted full liability for her death. It was just it just further compounded everything. And I definitely got angry several times looking at that hospital. So that was sort of our kind of, I guess The like, immediate. Yes, the the immediate, exactly. Funny
1: that you talk about, um, well, not funny, obviously, (laughs) but that you talk about leaving the hospital without your baby, because I know exactly what you mean, that it's wrong leaving the hospital without your baby, but I'd already left the hospital without my baby because I'd had to leave Leo and Niku on that one night of course, um, when he was still fine, Um, or not, well, he wasn't fine, he was in Cayman, but he wasn't, you know, he wasn't dying. And I left him on that night in NICU and I know that there are so many other parents and mums that have to do that and it is it's just wrong you have to leave basically a piece of you behind and and I think it's so harsh to have to go through that and and I've I've said so many times that it's you know it's one of it's one of the worst things um that you, you know you just wouldn't wish it on anyone and where I've heard friends that have kind of come close to having to do that where where their babies have been in in NICU or they've you know they were born prematurely and there was this like are they going to have to spend time in NICU are they not and I think one of the worst pieces of advice I can ever kind of have to give a friend is to have to tell them how to prepare to leave their baby behind in hospital because it's just you just shouldn't be you shouldn't have to go home without your baby it's just killer and i don't know how parents are doing it now with covid where they're only you know allowed to visit for kind of 20 minutes a day or whatever it just blows my mind but then so we we had that experience but then when neo actually died we were in miami and we left the hospital and that was all a bit bizarre i mean totally bizarre obviously but we had prepared ourselves over several days at that point that, you know, we were going to be leaving without him. We knew that the end was coming and that we weren't, you know, there was no way he was like leaving that hospital with us. We knew that kind of a couple of days before he took his final breaths. But so we were kind of okay with that. And we were in a completely alien place. We were, you know, we weren't going to bump into anyone we knew we were in Miami. You know, we could lose ourselves in, you know, a completely different city and, and sort of detach ourselves from reality a little bit but then we had to fly home and we had we had to leave him before he was cremated in America and we had to fly home and Mm -hmm. Cayman's a tiny place so getting on the flight back home is kind of like walking into you know university on the first term after (laughs) Christmas you know everyone that you bump into so we knew we knew half the people on the plane, and people, you know, don't know what to say to you. We don't know what to say to them. Yeah, you're just making this journey like this ridiculously, I mean, kind of extravagant journey on a plane
0: <laughs> back to back to paradise. And also, that's quite a long journey as well. It, like I sort of imagine, you know, when I say that I was in the car on the way it was sort of under fifteen minutes or so. <laughs>
1: Yeah. And I mean, you know, I'm sure lots of people have made long car journeys from the hospital, but our journey, you know, you had to go through customs, you had to, and all of that, just stuff that's crap on any, you know, on a good day when you're in a airport terminal and standing in lines and people with their families and, Mm. you know, just everyone's, some people are getting excited to go on holiday and we were just in this like black fog of, yeah, just hell. <laughs> just hell. I actually remember, right, we got on the plane and I saw someone, as I was walking down the aisle, I saw someone we knew and they didn't say any words. They just stood up and g- gave me a hug. And it was a really welcome and wonderful hug. And I really appreciated the fact that they, you know, they they chose, they knew what the right thing to do was. Well, not there is a right thing, right or wrong thing, but they didn't, they didn't try to say any words, but they, mm. they did something. They didn't try to kind of like avoid my eyes or do that kind of thing where you look at you know get straight into your book and pretend you're not you know paying any attention but they did acknowledge me and they stood up they gave me a hug and as I leant in to give them a hug I hit my head on the
0: overhead locker you know you're
1: like
0: (laughs) (laughs) just to sort of like add to the (laughs) (laughs) oh great I've got a split
1: eyebrow no I didn't bleed but I mean might as well have done. <laughs> <laughs> you were bleeding
0: inside, you know. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it is. I mean, everything about this is just horrendous. But I am glad, and I hope that other people are drawing positives from this. That we can also laugh about it and find humour <laughs> in it. All of yeah. this, you know, time ago, so it does. It does get easier, and you know, and it does flip flop back and forth, doesn't it? Whereas, like, some days are easier than others, and even. Sort of a year on or two years on, I can still have really bad days, but you know there's still there's still a lot of sort of fun and joy to be had so you kind of get back home and there's you are confronted by a life of admin, I think, and we spoke uh-huh. about in the last episode about funerals, and then there's also a lot of normal stuff i say normal stuff, I mean, normal stuff as if you'd just had a baby so I was still getting checked by the community midwives who were still coming around and checking me rather than yeah. the baby. We yeah. had to, I don't know if you had this, but we had to register the birth. So we had to go to the town hall and register Isabel's stillbirth, which I thought was quite a strange thing to have to do. Yeah. That
1: is bizarre. We know we we'd already registered his birth when he was born. Rich was like properly on it because I think we'd wanted to go on a trip a couple of months later so we were trying to, you know, kind of get a passport as quickly as possible. And then obviously he he had to be registered anyway to get his passport to fly to America. So, but yeah, weird that he had to do that yeah. after the fact. <laughs> I know.
0: And then and then so about so again one of the worst things it suddenly dawns on you and I don't know if you had this as well that you're on maternity leave without a baby and yeah. that is just it's surreal it's really heartbreaking and you kind of don't know what to do with yourself and I was actually thinking about this earlier that you're not on maternity leave it sh- it should be called bereavement leave or recovery leave <laughs> something way more appropriate than maternity yeah but
1: it's a difficult one isn't it because I also would have been offended if someone hadn't called it maternity leave because you are a mum it's a maternal yeah need but so calling it anything else isn't right but but I know I know what you mean and I just remember overwhelmingly feeling like I was unemployed from the job that I was desperate to do like I'd just been left redundant with no warning and there was no job that i wanted to fill that time with and and of course i busied myself with stuff and you know th- you could make a list of all the things that you know if you if you were if you never had to if you won the lottery and never had to work again what would you i i would fill my my time with some really fun things but l- left with this time where you're recovering from a serious injury and and a serious kind of life event in terms of the actual birth you do technically have a lot of time to do a lot of things, but you don't want to do any of them because you're grieving and and you're not interested. I wanted to be a mum.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted exactly. to look after a baby
1: and yeah. all of the, you know, highs and lows that come, come with that. I didn't want to learn Spanish. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no. Yeah. You don't want to do any of the stuff that you would usually do with what one would call sort of spare time. Yeah because ultimately you just you feel at a loss because that spare time was it was never meant to be spare it was meant to right. be time you know getting to know your baby and being being a mum to them and i mean for us again everything was just impounded by bloody covid because <laughs> and in a way it was good and a, and a, in a way it was bad because covid meant that Ivy was at home so she couldn't go to nursery and that for me was you know I couldn't work then because there's no way I could have juggled Ivy and a job but it also meant that it completely delayed my grief because when you are full-time looking after a toddler you can't there's no time for yourself (laughs) that yeah that that is it but I do remember Like I would just find myself doing kind of presentations for work that didn't need to be done at all. It was purely I wanted to do something to engage my brain and feel useful and that I was doing something. So I think I just took it upon myself to do stuff behind the scenes, whether they needed it or not. But I wasn't ready to go back to work. I I wasn't ready to confront people. I just wanted to do something and feel useful I suppose yeah no I t- I totally know what you mean yeah and I was um, um, quite lucky I mean my team were amazing around me and um every every week I would have a catch-up with the lady who was standing in for me and again that that made me feel sort of like oh I was helping her and she was helping me and we'd just have a chit-chat for an hour or so once a week about what was going on and you know what was frustrating her at work and stuff like that and that you know that was actually quite nice and in a way it was a really nice way to sort of softly softly keep me involved with what was going on at work without having to fully face the music. Yeah what were
1: you entitled
0: to in terms of leave? Yeah so I think the rule in the UK is a still birth after 24 weeks, you are entitled to mat leave. Right. So it was pretty straightforward for me. There was no questions asked. The moment I told my boss what had happened, it was just, yeah, you're on maternity leave. And that was it. And you know, so UK statutory maternity leave, I think you are entitled up to 52 weeks if you wanted to take it. I ended up taking maybe about three months, I think. Yeah. And I know that there has been a lot of stuff in the press recently in the UK about changing a lot of companies, changing their policies around miscarriage and early pregnancy loss. And I don't know if you've got the same going going on in Cayman but people are a definite or companies are definitely trying to improve those and really acknowledge sort of um how people would be feeling and you know maternal and paternal bereavements after miscarriage and
1: yeah and I mean that's probably a topic for another day isn't it and how kind of women deal with miscarriages but I mean Cayman's stuck in the in the dark ages really when it comes to stuff like mat leave and and any sort of kind of Miscarriage bereavement, whatever, whatever you want to call it, and I, I don't actually know. I still really don't know what the policy is um, here. I think it is again that you, you know, you would be entitled to your mat leave. The mat leave is is short anyway. It's kind of American vibes, but you know, things differ from from one company to another. And I think we we contacted my boss. I don't, do you know, what? I think I may have even contacted him before Leo actually passed away because I was just trying to get all my ducks in a row in my own head of what, what, you know, life would look like when he died. And I knew that I had actually time in the hospital that we were kind of with him to get everything straight in my head because the moment he did die, everything was going to, you know, go crazy and that I wouldn't have the mental clarity to deal with anything so I think I'd already messaged him and and he he had just responded with you really don't need to worry about this we're (laughs) going to look after you and I think you know that's that's a fortunate position that I was in and you know financially you know I was able to take a bit of unpaid leave because you only get um, I think it's six weeks paid here So, you know, that was a fortunate position to be in that I had an understanding boss and a company that was able to kind of do without me for a few months. And and they literally did say, do not contact Maya, like leave her alone. Don't CC her on an email, like literally leave her alone.
0: Yeah. Which is amazing, but quite right too, right? like And did you have someone in place to cover for you? No, I didn't, actually.
1: There wasn't any mat leave cover for me because we were kind of in between projects at the time. But my team were amazing, and I met with my boss um, a couple of times when we got back from Miami and in the weeks kind of after that, just to chit-chat. And because of kind of what we were doing with all our genetics testing to figure out, you know, confirm Leo's diagnosis and then figure out what that meant for our future, I was really straight up with him about that whole process I was like I actually can't deal with not being completely open and honest with my employer at this time I just mm. I just think honesty is the best policy I just can tell you exactly where my head's at yes I've just been through a loss yes I'm on mat leave and I know I'm zero value to you right now but my main goal over the next 12 months is to get pregnant to be on mat leave again so and and that's a really kind of awkward conversation to- with your boss, when you're like, yeah, I need some time, and then I'm going to need it again.
0: <laughs> but also, it's one of those things where you're like, well, within my right, excuse me, and you know, I have just been through hell and back. So yeah, and I I could not disclose that. You know, I could say
1: I'm taking my mat leave. I'll come back when I'm ready after a few months, and then I'll you know I'll let you know when I'm, I'm pregnant again. But I was I I felt it was easier just to to manage my own kind of mental health to be open about it and not have to have any secrets and add that additional stress to it but I recognize that that's because I have you know a great employer and a great boss and that was in this tragic time really really great
0: yeah and how did you find like when did you go back to work after how, how many months and how was that transition going back to work
1: um it was about 3 months as well, you know. Um I felt like that was kind of the right time to get back into it. Some projects were coming back online and they needed me. <laughs> um, but going back into the office was was a big deal. I oh, had I hear you on that front. <laughs> yeah, I had a little wobble on the way in. I don't actually think I had a wobble when I was there, everyone was amazing. And I can't, i you know, you kind of think about things in your head, are people going to look at you different and all of that kind of stuff. And of course they don't, people are just getting on with their own stuff. And yeah, some people were, you know, would say, I'm so sorry. And those kinds of things. And that was good. I had asked for there not to be any communication on my behalf further than I think our kind of leadership had been told what had happened, and word had spread. But um, my boss had asked whether he, you know, I, I wanted a, to give everyone a heads up of, you know, do or don't talk to Maya about Leo and stuff. And I said, no, it's 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 Leo's story, it's my story, and I want to own it. And so I'll be the one to tell it, basically, and I'll mm-hmm. deal with it as I see fit on the day. Get, you know, depending on the person. But I think that's also important to think about because that will that will vary from one person to the next right um as to how they want to deal with that
0: and i think that's a really good way they have how your business said it in terms of your boss asking you what you what yeah. you wanted to to happen yeah i was just going to say i remember that sort of time of going back into the office and just all the little memories. And I don't know if you felt this, but it was sort of thinking, well, last time I was here, I was pregnant. And, mm-hmm. oh, last time I spoke to this person, we were speaking, you know, I remembered that conversation when we were speaking about sort of the baby in me and when, yeah. when she was due. Oh, yeah. I remember throwing up in that loo a few times in you know, it. Like there's just <laughs> so many little memories that I just felt were really triggered. And you're a little bit out of your comfort zone as well, because, it's your work colleagues. It's not your kind of busy mates as well. So some of them know yeah. you really well, but some of them don't know you that well at yeah. all. And so it's, you are managing so many different types of relationships and yeah. how you are making other people feel as well. Like I'm right. sure people were feeling really awkward because they didn't know what to say and they didn't know how to handle it.
1: yeah. I felt, I didn't really have, I know I'm supposed to say, yeah, yeah, I felt like that too. But I didn't really have many like memories like that, like you mentioned, I can totally see how you would, I don't, I don't know, I don't really know why I didn't, I kind of make any associations. But there was one, I don't know if this happened to you, there was one um, instance of, it was a few days after I'd gone back to work. And I was still working a little bit from home, I was just kind of easing myself back in. And I, I reckon it was about a week into going back into the office that I bumped into someone and they went, Oh my God, you had the baby. Congratulations. <gasps> oh, no. And it was such a moment. Like we were in a corridor that I actually, I just kind of went ah, and she walked off and I had to message her afterwards to be like, look, I should have stopped you and explained, but it just happened so quickly. It was one of those, you know, like passing in a corridor things And this is what's happened. And obviously she felt dreadful. And I was like, please don't feel dreadful. Like I'm, if you, you know, I'm more than happy to talk about it and, you know, talk about Leo and everything else. But did you have any moments like that? Because I think that's the one that you were always dreading, right? And I was like, oh, and there it is.
0: (laughs) I I don't think with any of my colleagues, because I think everyone had been told you know, not so much sort of directly, but it had it, it the information had felt filtered through the company. We weren't a massive company. But some of my sort of like agencies that I worked with, they you know, they didn't know the last time they saw me, they were in a meeting with me, you know, 32 weeks pregnant. And so they a few of them I got a few emails being like, Oh, you're back, congrats, how'd it go? And then, you know, you have to kind of break it to these people that you don't know, know that well that Yeah oh yeah, my baby died. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, it, yeah. It, I think it's just something that you go through. But I, I do think it's one Did of Did you those- have like a
1: stock response that you'd
0: crafted? No, I think I just went with whatever was top of mind. And because also I yeah. think it kind of, well, for me, I sort of found like it probably depended on what kind of relationship I had with them. Yeah, that's right. You, know, you to tailor it. And also, I think like so many of these things, it's always worse. It's you always build it up to be something worse than it actually is. Yeah, and
1: I've actually found on a couple of those instances, there was there was one I'm thinking of um, where I was on the phone to someone and we were we were on a call. There were several people on the call. Oh no, maybe maybe it was just the two of us anyway. And the guy said you know, welcome back. Really good to have you back. Now, last time we spoke, you were just about to have a baby, weren't you? And blah, 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 blah. And I just said, look, I'm going to stop you right there because this conversation doesn't end how you want it to end. My baby passed away. And he, you, you kind of expect the silence and someone to say, you know, I'm so sorry. I'm really, you know, dreadfully, you know, Um, condolences and everything else but he didn't he said oh my god a really really similar thing just happened to a guy that we work with and he was telling me the story and we ended up just chatting (laughs) for like 45 minutes about baby loss and like I've never met this guy because he works for a software company that we deal with in another country but I had a great little chat with him and it was really I don't know it was kind of like a little bit of counsel, <laughs> So you just never know what other people have actually been through themselves and where opening a conversation might go. And sometimes you might just, you might be making the other person feel awful. Maybe you are, I don't know, removing a bit of awkwardness around a subject that needs to be spoken about. Maybe you're educating another person, or you might be talking to someone that's got firsthand experience if something... You know themselves,
0: mm. so yeah. And I to that point, I don't think that I've ever regretted bringing it up in a conversation. No. It's never gone like you know totally dived that so you're like, oh god, oh god, you know, wish the world would swallow me up right now. So yeah, I think it's always it's always sort of good to bring it up if you feel comfortable doing so. Um, I so just thinking about you saying working from home again, this was for me, a positive of COVID is that we weren't allowed to be in the office. So my first month or so back at work was behind a screen. And actually, I think that was really helpful because it just helps you ease back into work and get, get on with your job without having to confront some of the things that you are dreading most about starting, your, starting back at work. Shall we talk about your body? <laughs> Not just your body, our bodies. <laughs> Mine in particular, I mean. <laughs> no, just, you know, bodies in general, because you've just had a baby and then you are going back to, um, then, but you don't have your baby, but your body still thinks, your body doesn't know that your baby's died necessarily. Yeah. And... I don't know if you had this, but post pregnancy, you know, for the, about three months afterwards, my hair was just falling out in clumps. And so there are these constant reminders of you are experiencing everything that you would naturally do after having a baby, but you don't have your baby. And I remember finding stuff like that really hard, looking down at my sort of, you know, big tummy that, as it would obviously be, because I've sort of carried a baby. And I was like, oh, you know, I just want to lose my post-baby weight, and I don't even have a baby. Despite all of that, um, and for me, I couldn't even exercise because I'd had the um, a C-section. So all of those things, I just found pretty tough at the time.
1: Yeah, and I, I mean, I think I feel for you, mate, because, um, I, you know, having the C-section. It's just, I mean, that's one hell of a surgery, isn't it? And then one hell of a recovery. And um, for those of you guys listening, Zinnia is a beanpole and one of those people that you really want to hate for being able to <laughs> eat a whole pack of digestives and not put on. She'll probably lose weight as she's chewing on them, but we love her anyway because she's awesome. So you know, and like everyone struggles with with you know having postpartum changes to a body that you know you kind of can't control particularly if you can't do any exercise or you know literally do anything when after a c-section so I can imagine that that was that was really hard my experience was that we in the few days after well in the few days when we were kind of whisked off to Miami no one was really paying any attention so it sounds like woe is me no one was paying me any attention of course they were but no one was worrying about whether I was healing in terms of physically like everyone was kind of worried about my mental health and checking I was okay but I didn't have I had a really good labor with Leo I had two internal stitches I mean like dreamy Mm. and sort of walked away from the whole thing fairly unscathed other than you know like general postpartum bleeding, like I was properly in like the adult nappies when we got on the plane to fly to Miami, but otherwise, I was kind of walking around the hospital and everyone including myself had completely neglected to think about the fact that I'd had a baby two days before yeah we were just so focused on Leo and because I wasn't complaining of any I did not you know the stitches weren't hurting me because I didn't have any I wasn't complaining of any kind of pain or or you know it wasn't a c-section that people were kind of needing to to address or or dress um because I didn't have any of that I was just kind of wandering around like you know pumping here and there and and changing my adult nappy so it was only when we got on the plane that I think I like leaned back and was like ooh because it was a bit of a bench seat um right at the back of this little medivac plane and the nurse swiveled on her um chair and went are you fit to fly and I was like me and she was like yeah you just had a baby and I was like oh (laughs) <laughs> yeah, I think so. But no one had cleared me. You know, like I'd be- I'd barely been discharged from the hospital and here I was taking an international flight. And um and you know, all of that um being said, that sort of continued when we got to Miami because then I was just sort of flying around the Miami hospital corridors, this vast hospital, and you know, when you needed something, you needed to get a doctor or you had a question to ask, I wasn't worrying about the fact that, you know, I wasn't in peak physical fitness and actually from that point of view i i bounced back pretty quickly and i was sort of vaguely back into you know my regular clothes and stuff like trackies i mean not <laughs> like my skinny jeans but you know and and so you you would be forgiven probably for thinking i hadn't just had a baby yeah but when leo died and we were out in miami Afterwards, we I went somewhere with my brother. Oh, I wanted to go and have pictures from the hospital printed. We'd taken, you know, like a million pictures of Leo on my phone. And I wanted to have them all printed. And I wanted to make an album of those pictures. That was really important to me. So we went out in Miami and we were crossing the road. And it, like, this is an American road. It's like kind of it's 56 thick. lanes in each direction. And there's like the pedestrian crossing that you wait an hour to cross and as we were approaching the pedestrian crossing my brother went quick run and i ran after him and when we got to the other side of the road and my brother's got two kids and he his wife he, although it's she's a personal trainer and great physical fitness herself had more stitches than i did so he's been through what it you know what a woman goes through when she's just had a baby and as we got to the other side i was like my internal organs are somewhere in the middle <laughs> yeah. of that crossing. I don't know what just happened, but it's a miracle that I made it to the other side. And I had these reminders of like, oh my god, I really did just have a baby. Yeah. Like, so I, I was kind of faced with almost the opposite. I looked like I, I did, kind of go. My body kind of went back um, to looking like it hadn't had a baby, but I was still feeling all of the internal. Effects, and my hair was falling out, and all of that really fun stuff, you know, still bleeding, hair started to fall out in clumps, and I almost found that kind of more unfair because i wasn 't holding a baby i didn 't look like I'd had a baby, but yeah, I really wanted to stick a sign to my forehead that said i've just had a baby, yeah <laughs> you know, where other women who were pushing a pram and have a little bit of a baby bump get a bit of a, you know, pat on the back, congratulations, baby's gorgeous, you look amazing. And I was like, well, I just laboured a baby and I look amazing.
0: <laughs> Maya. Maya, you look amazing. And you did look amazing. <laughs> Thanks, you <made> <laughs> Do you know what? I think we could wangle on about this topic for a long, long time. Yeah, I've got about six other... Yes, I know. I know. Me too. Oh so God. I almost wonder if we sort of say let's let's wrap this up here maybe roll it over into another episode yeah what what else do we want to
1: talk about quickly I think we can talk about kind of postpartum exercise when you're grieving and the mental health around that and
0: yeah definitely and sort of the the general emotional roller coaster and your sort of grief feel like your feelings of grief I think counseling yeah. as well um if yeah ways to go down
1: and then i think what you know we we both found ourselves in this camp and i think it's a really common place to find yourself um when you've had a loss is thinking immediately about another
0: oh yes we've got so much to talk about on that subject to be continued then so, an episode of Making It to Motherhood wouldn't be an episode without us chatting about our mother's moans and our big- Now moany, moany, moany. I know, I know. So, I'll tell you what's been on my mind for the mother's moan this episode is, oh, maybe it was meant to be. So, that uh. is when somebody, you're telling someone your story about what happened and your baby dying and- they kind of make the sounds of maybe it was meant to be. And it just, it's like someone's just hit you in the face when they say that. And it is definitely not meant from um, with any ill intention or anything like that. It is just something that people say probably without thinking. And I've definitely been guilty of saying it before, but more in the context of, oh, you didn't get that job or that house that yeah. you really wanted maybe it wasn't meant to be and so I think it's a very common thing that people say off the cuff when you are you know speaking something and something's gone wrong in their yeah. life but you don't say it to someone when they've experienced a death because yeah. it's sort of like telling them that their baby was meant to die or whoever in their yeah. life was meant to die and it's just not right yeah and everything happens for a reason, right up there. In that oh, yeah. Point. I mean, I would put that in exactly the same bucket. of. Um, and again, I've been guilty of saying everything happens for a reason myself as well. But when you put it in the context of your baby dying, you're sort of like, I'm not not really sure that I'm on board with that.
1: Yeah, I've, I think I was listening to Elle Wright in one of her recent podcasts, and she was saying that if if you find yourself starting a sentence with, at least, you should probably end it right there. <laughs> <laughs> I love that advice. That's such good advice, isn't
0: it? Yeah, that's brilliant.
1: Right, well, on on from the moan, I'll give a little big up. Let's end on a high. Always. Um, so I was giving this advice to someone else recently, made me think of it, that when we were leaving the hospital here, flying to Miami, one of the midwives said to me, just don't forget to make memories. And she had no idea how long we were going to have with leo maybe she maybe could she she could see the writing um on the wall, but you know she she just kind of said that to me, and it really stuck with me and we did We tried to take as many photos as we could, we tried to do little things with Leo in the hospital you know we kind of brushed his hair in his little crib, and we got little footprints of him and we read him stories and we just did all these little things I think we maximized kind of every moment that we had the headspace to to do that in and I've said it to someone else recently um well not recently actually it was probably a couple of years ago now and that they were really tragically um having quite a late termination I'm so gonna like mess this up now but I want to get this technically right but I feel like it was sort of 18, 19 weeks yeah. um, that they had to have termination for medical reasons. And so I don't know whether that is, is that a miscarriage
0: or? No, I don't, I, I think, yeah. I th- Well, I think a miscarriage is something that happens without you forcefully terminating right. it. Mm.
1: Medical miscarriage. Oh, okay, let's, let's park that. I need to do my research. But anyway, tragically, Losing the losing the baby. Oh okay, sorry. So, so it it happened naturally. No, 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 sorry. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, <laughs> I'm getting this all wrong. But what I did say to her was make sure you get a bump pick. And she was like, oh, I don't know about that. And I was like, "Like, you just never know when you might, might want that picture, um, you know, in the future, because I think they kind of knew that um, it was a, wasn't a viable pregnancy after, I think, 16 weeks. And, um, you know, they kind of saying their goodbyes and getting mentally prepared for what lay ahead. And... I think she'd only just started showing. And so I was like, just take take a little bump pick. Like you, you this is part of your story and you'll want to tell, you know, they, they've got an older daughter and you'll want to tell the other kids about it. Or maybe not, maybe not, but you know, keep the option open for yourself. And she messaged me afterwards being like, thank you so much for telling me that. And that's not wisdom that I had on my own. That's totally um, because of this midwife that said, don't forget to make memories. So I think wherever you are, in your pregnancy or um, parenting journey, don't forget to make memories. I think we can all be accused of having our phones out too much, but actually
0: some of those
1: memories are all we're going to have.
0: Yeah, I think that's a really, really good point. And completely when it comes to sort of baby loss as well, having those memories to hold on to and sort of, yeah, remember them by weeks, months, years later, it, yeah. it means a lot. It really does. Yeah. So next episode, as we said, we're going to continue on the conversation about life after baby loss and exploring topics around the physical recovery. But also we're going to dive into one's mental well-being following baby loss.
1: Yeah. And hopefully it's going to be another great chat so join us next Wednesday for another episode of making it to motherhood and in the meantime don't forget to subscribe to our podcast as well as follow us on Instagram at making it to motherhood
0: and as always please do spread the word and share our podcast with friends and family and we hope you have a great week and thanks for listening